0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this 18th Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of James, chapter 3, beginning at the 13th verse. Who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him by his good way of living show that he does things in wise humility. But if you have a bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and lie contrary to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above but it is worldly, unspiritual, and demonic. In fact, where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and every bad practice. But the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, then also peaceful, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace, by those who practice peace. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, beginning at the 30th verse. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He, Jesus, did not want anyone to know this because he was teaching his disciples. He told them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. But three days after he is killed, He will rise. But they did not understand the statement and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they remained silent, because on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Jesus sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he will be the last of all and the servant of all. Then he took the little child and placed him in their midst. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not just me, but also him who sent me. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah, chapter 11, verses 18, 19, and 20. The Lord revealed their plot to me, so I became aware of it. He showed me what they were doing. I was like a lamb, a gentle lamb, led to the slaughter. I had not realized that they had plotted against me. They were saying, let us destroy the tree along with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living so that his name will will no longer be remembered. But Lord of armies, you judge righteously. You test the heart and mind. Let me see your vengeance on them, for I have presented my case to you. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. I've heard those words over the years. And in fact, I remember as a child that when someone would start saying terrible words, that's how you would reply back. Always with the sticks and stones, because your words can't hurt me. Well, of course, over time, as you get older, words do hurt. Words are extremely painful. Sticks and stones, yeah, that can hurt too, but words, they leave wounds inside that fester and deep inside, and it seems like it never at times heals. And especially when those words are coming from our own family or from our friends, that we thought we knew. Even though we cannot know what another person is feeling. Because we're not that person. And let alone we even struggle with our own feelings. To really truly understand them. I pray that we have compassion. And sincere sympathy. For the man called Jeremiah. Jeremiah who found out that from his own hometown of Anathoth, they were plotting to end his life. No doubt, these people, many of them, were family and friends. Jeremiah was a prophet sent by the Lord to go to the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom had been destroyed by the... Assyrians, who in 722 conquered Samaria, the capital city of the northern kingdom. And therefore, it was gone. Jeremiah is now preaching to those people, and just like the northern kingdom, they have become very ungodly. In fact, they have become very wicked, especially towards their fellow man. The message and warning that God gave to the people to the north are now being applied to the people of the south. And even though half the kings of the southern kingdom over the years were faithful to the Lord. People slowly were falling away from the Lord. In fact, earlier in this very chapter of Jeremiah, we are told that they had as many gods as they had towns and as many altars to these false gods as they had streets. And in fact, the temple that ought to have been the worship center of their life, worshiping and offering sacrifices to the one true God, became nothing more at that time than a lucky charm, like a rabbit's foot. Jeremiah would come and announce to them God's anger over their ungodliness and wickedness, and and even announce to them that if they did not repent... God would bring judgment upon them just like he did to the north. He even told them that it would come at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. But the people didn't listen because we have the temple here. As long as that temple is here, God is going to protect us. They would preach that don't even listen to Jeremiah. He doesn't know what he's talking about. If you want something to hold on to, the temple is just up the hill. Again, the people would not listen. The ungodliness at this time. Here, Jeremiah, a faithful prophet of the Lord, preaching the truth. And of course, it was heavy with the law because they were stubborn in their ungodliness. That it would take the law to pierce that heart. Oh, yes, Jeremiah has some beautiful gospel in it. But again, very heavy in the law. And the people hated him for it. Jeremiah would find himself crying. He's known as the wailing prophet because he knew it was coming upon his own people. And they would not repent and listen. And now to find out in your own hometown of Anathoth, not only did the people there hate you, but they wanted you dead. so great that they would want him dead possibly his own family possibly and quite possibly dear friends Anathoth was actually a priestly town so Jeremiah came from a priestly clan and yes Jeremiah was speaking against the ungodliness of the priests Offering the sacrifices to false gods. In fact, he did not even know about the plot at all. It was actually the Lord God Almighty that actually revealed the plot to him. And not only simply told him that they're going to end you, he even told them what they were saying about him behind his back, which he didn't even know about. They were saying, let us destroy the tree along with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living so that his name will be remembered no more. They didn't just want to see him dead. They wanted to end his fruit. And the fruit is what a man produces. It is what he says. It is what he does. Part of his fruit would be this very book itself of Jeremiah. They wanted it wiped off the face of the earth so that he will be remembered no more. They didn't want to silence him. They wanted to destroy anything connected with him. Of course, their problem wasn't Jeremiah. The problem was their own sinful selves. But that they did not want to admit. To want to end someone that they're remembered no more? Isn't it interesting and, in fact, extremely ironic that we don't know the names of any of these people that were trying to kill him? But we have the name of Jeremiah written in Scripture, and his precious name will be there to the very end of time. Oh, how precious and beautiful and gracious the Lord truly is. And did you notice how Jeremiah felt about their plot? He said, I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. A lamb is a baby sheep. A lamb needs to rely on its mother. A lamb is helpless. And the word gentle, actually, in the original language, is the word for docile. That means he's well-managed. He's well-trained and controlled. So he's feeling very vulnerable and very manipulated by what they had done and what they were doing was ungodly. My dear friends, have you ever heard of another saying that you need to be thick-skinned? I've heard this over the years, even from fellow brothers in the faith. Uh, pastors who say if you're going to be a pastor or if you're going to be a teacher, you got to learn to be thick-skinned. In fact, I've heard other people say if you're going to work in this in this world in this doggy dog world, you need to be thick-skinned. You need to tough it out, especially when you're working with people. People will turn on you. You need to be able to stand up to it. You need to be able to handle it like water flowing off your back. You need to let it go. But the emphasis is always on you. Just like sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt me. I don't believe in that statement for one minute. I also don't believe in the statement that we need to be thick-skinned. Do you think that Jeremiah, who said, I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter, is speaking about being thick-skinned. No, his strength wasn't found in himself, toughing it out, standing up to these people, no matter what they threw at him. No, his strength was in the Lord and in the Lord's promises. For the very God who revealed this murderous plot against him is the very Lord, who also told Jeremiah when he was called to be a prophet that you will not die by the hands of these people. God will make sure of it. And God was keeping his promise. The very God who has kept his promise with all of us. As I said earlier, we have some of the most beautiful gospel in here. Later on, Jeremiah is going to be talking about a new covenant. He's going to be talking about the forgiveness of sins, and he's going to describe it as God remembering your sins no more. And we know that that new covenant was fulfilled in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yes, when Jesus came, God was keeping his promise to the world. When the very Son of God took on human flesh to be our Savior... Oh, heaven was completely open because this was the very Savior who gave his life on the cross for the sins of the world, who kept that law perfectly for us. This is the very Savior who rose from the dead. This is the very Savior who ascended into heaven with the promise that he would return. This is the Savior who won for us the forgiveness of sins and that hope of everlasting life. And this is the very Lord Jesus who not only kept those promises, but also made us another promise. Surely I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. Where two or three gathered together in my name, there I am with them. In the Apostle Paul, I will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He even provides a way out. He works out all things for good and for those who rest in his love. We have a God who has not only made us, a God who has not only saved us, but a God who is our Heavenly Father, and we are his children, and through faith in him, we are protected, we are blessed, yes, we are saved. And this very Lord God also promises to hear and answer our prayers. And notice the prayer that Jeremiah offers. Lord of armies, you judge righteously. You test the heart and mind. Let me see your vengeance on them, for I have presented my case to you. He opens the prayer with the beautiful words, Lord of Armies, and, and some translations, like the King James, would actually translate it Lord of Hosts. And the word horse, horse host, is actually an old English word meaning armies. Some we actually translate Lord of Hosts as Lord Almighty. And I've always struggled with that translation because the word for armies or hosts I'm not sure how you make the connection to almighty except admitting that if he's the Lord of the armies and the greatest army out there is the holy army of angels, then in that sense he is almighty because of all that authority and power he has. But he can certainly have, and he does, almighty powers separate from the holy angels. No, the word is Lord of Armies. And to me, it always paints that picture of Jacob when he was leaving home, running for for his life because his brother Esau wanted to kill him. And then when he came to that place, which would become known as Bethel, he would use a rock as a pillow. And that evening, the Lord came to him in a dream with that stairway that led right to Jacob. But it reached up to heaven to the Lord. And on that step were angels coming and going, carrying out God's holy will in serving Jacob on the earth. He didn't see just one guardian angel. He saw a plethora of guardian angels carrying out God's word in serving mankind. Lord of armies, he prays. Let me see your vengeance on them. If you read these words in just this sentence and not take into consideration the entire book of Jeremiah, then you would be tempted to say, shame on you, Jeremiah, calling for vengeance. That doesn't sound very godly-like. That doesn't sound like a man of God. You call yourself a prophet? He's certainly not acting like a saint. Why would you call down vengeance? Wouldn't a prayer have been better to call upon the Lord to to move their hearts and to change their hearts? Why would he pray for vengeance of all the things he could pray for? Keep in mind, he's not praying for vengeance, asking God to give him the authority and the power to end these people and to make them suffer as he has been suffering. He wasn't praying for, God, let me get even. But he was calling for God's vengeance. And along with that, he said, you judge righteously. For his judgments are always right. This is a holy God who does not see him. This is a God who knows even our hearts, we're told here. This is a God who tests the hearts and minds. He can look into the hearts and minds. By the way, the word heart here is actually the word for kidneys. These are your guts. And and so the Hebrews always believed that the heart of your emotions wasn't your heart. It was your lower regions. And so if God can go and test even your lower regions, then he can see into places no one else can see into. He knows your heart and mind in the deepest parts of your very soul. This is a God who's omniscient. This is a God who judges right. And this is the God who had judged the people of Israel and told them that if they did not repent, he would bring his punishment upon them. And that is the vengeance. He's not calling for the vengeance because he wants God to stick it to him. He's calling for God's justice upon these ungodly and wicked people. You see, many people will say God is love, and it is true. God is truly love. He says that in his holy word. In fact, he's he's a God who is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He's the God who forgives. But this loving God is also a just God. This is a God who does hate sin. And our just God will carry out his judgment. You and I now live in a time of grace. And the purpose of this time is to prepare for the life to come. And that can be only done through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the world Savior. But God's judgment will come. You could say it comes when God takes us from this life. Because wouldn't it be the next thing we're going to remember when we leave this life is going to be judgment day? And even though judgment day hasn't come yet, it doesn't mean that it's not coming. It will come. And even though the Lord is slow in having it come as we would see it, That judgment will come. And when that last day comes, this earth will be destroyed. And God will raise everyone, including the dead. And he will separate the believers from the unbelievers. He will take the believers to heaven. And he will send the unbelievers to hell. But God is a loving God. But a loving God is also a just God. And don't think that a loving God is a pushover. He's not a big deal. He doesn't really care. A loving God is a just God. Don't underestimate or take for granted his justice, his patience, and his love. And until that last day comes, or until the day that the Lord calls us from this life, continue to heed the words that God told Jeremiah to proclaim. He instructed Jeremiah to teach and preach the message of repentance, that sorrow over sin, and yet at the heart of that repentance his faith in the Savior who paid for those sins and paid for them in full. Continue to repent of your sins and continue to proclaim that message to others because only through faith in Jesus are we saved. During this end times, and we are in the end times, we live knowing where our comfort and strength really comes from. It doesn't come from ourselves. Comes from the Lord, who is the Lord of armies. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. L-U-T-H-E-R-A-N O-R-G. May God bless you today and every day.